0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Jewish Bazaar. I'm Tony Michaels, professor of Jewish history at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I'm here with Dr. Eddie Portnoy of the YIVO Institute for Jewish Research and specialist in all things Jewish and strange. Unfortunately, Jessica Chaffin can't be here today. She's being arraigned for shoplifting, uh, but she'll be sure to come back to uh, future episodes. What do you think she stole? Oh, I know what she stole. She, she st- so she stole several packs of bubblelicious. Um, uh, that's loves understandable. Bubble. She loves bubble gum. Um, we're uh, we are uh, s- s- discussing today the strange uh, world of uh, nasology and the Jewish nose. Eddie, what is nasology?
1: Um, Well, nasology is uh, a 19th century offshoot of uh, phrenology. Uh, If you're not familiar with phrenology, it was a pseudoscience uh, in which uh, uh, people could tell your personality traits uh, according to the shape of the bumps on your head. Hmm. Uh, And it was a relatively common type of... uh, Predictor of personality types. Uh, a lot of psychics use it. You, some people will recognize, um, you know, heads, porcelain heads with, with all kinds of regions r- written on them uh, in, in, in the offices of, uh, of psychics. Uh, and uh, nas- nasology was a mid 19th century offshoot of phrenology that held that you could tell a pers- person's personality type by the shape of their nose. Are you suggesting this is not true? uh, Well, unfortunately, you know, it's one of those things that I wish were true. uh, But unfortunately, I I don't think it is. And in fact, uh, the first text on nasology, uh, called Nasology, was written by Eden Warwick in, I believe, 1848. And uh, it's thought generally that uh, the text is actually a parody. It it was written to make fun of uh, or to satirize phrenology, which had become very popular. And so this writer, Eden Warwick, uh, thought, you know, I'm going to invent this, this new pseudoscience called nasology, uh, where you can tell people's personality traits by the shape of their nose, and it's it's going to function along the same lines as, uh, uh, as phrenology. But unfortunately for Eden Warwick, a lot of people took him seriously, and uh, the sat- the satire apparently wasn't um, wasn't extreme enough to, for for people to understand that it was it was a fraud. And so uh, by the 1880s, you have much larger texts that expand on the phenomenon of of uh, nasology. Uh, in I believe 1880, there's a text by uh, Gustavus Cohen, who uh, who expands the whole field of of uh, uh, nasology uh, as a kind of legitimate uh, or a seemingly legitimate science. Um, but basically there are, um, uh, there are five main types of noses, uh, in, in the pseudoscience of nasology, you have the, the Roman nose, uh, which is aquiline and convex, and it indicates great decision, considerable energy, Mm -hmm. uh, firmness, and, um, Uh, And an absence of refinement. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then you have the Greek nose, which Mm -hmm. is sort of a straight nose. Uh, It indicates refinement of character. Love for the fine arts. And Belle lettres. person who has the Greek nose, is astute. They're Mm -hmm. crafty. Mm -hmm. Um, I can relate uh, to all this. Right. Also, though, interestingly, they note that uh, if uh, if the Greek nose is slightly distended at its end, it indicates a most useful and intellectual of characters. Yes. Uh, It's also considered. Yeah. It's also considered the highest, and most beautiful form, which the nasal organ can assume. Uh, You also have uh, the cogitative nose, uh, and that is a wide nostrilled nose that indicates a cogitative mind, which has strong powers of thought. Uh, people with this type of nose are given to uh, very serious thought and, and meditation. Uh, you also have what's called the mercantile nose, mm-hmm. also known as the Hebraic nose. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, also known as a hawk nose, and it indicates uh, considerable shrewdness mm-hmm. in worldly matters a deep insight into character and facility uh, and turning that insight into profitable account. Uh, they also call this the commercial nose, uh, and while it's named uh, for Jews, it is not confined to them. Other people hmm. can also have this nose. Can you give and, an example? Uh, I might give an example of Tony Michaels. Well, uh, I didn't.
0: I didn't mean to make this personalized. I mean, other groups <laughs> that, other groups that might uh, qualify. <laughs>
1: For the um, mercantile nose. You know, I would say that's the Tony Michaels group. That's the Tony. Ter- okay. I will um, tell
0: you, si- since you are making this personal, I will tell you that I once saw a doctor about a ear problem. Uh, and the doctor suggested that the that the that uh, this problem might be compounded by what he called my semitic nose. No, no. I think that that's, that is this category. I think you're da- you must have gone to a nasologist. I don't know. I didn't see any certification uh, from a school or institute of nasology. But... Um, uh, so I can't comment on his professional training, but that was his professional diagnosis. Wow, uh, interesting. It, in in the uh, early years of
1: nasology, was
0: there a Semitic category?
1: Well, that's this that's this category, the Semitic the, the so-called Semitic category, or you know, the Hebraic nose, mercantile mm-hmm. nose, commercial nose. It's all it's all sort of wrapped up into the same one.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on. What are some of the other categories? This is so the other
1: categories you you have um, the snub nose and the celestial nose. These are these are categories five and six, uh, and uh, these are indicative of natural weakness, mean and or disagreeable dispositions, mm-hmm. and petty insolence. Basically, poverty of character. Mm-hmm. Um, now the difference between them is celestial The celestial nose has a slightly greater length than the snub nose. Hmm. And this is something that causes the bear to have at least a share of fox-like common sense, hmm. um, and it's considered to be more impudent than the snub nose. And the snub nose is considered to be proof of the degeneracy of the human race.
0: Hmm. The entire this is, according,
1: race. this is this is from the text, the nasology, the the actual nasology text.
0: You're talking about the satirical text,
1: uh, yes. But the satir- the the the, the, um, the content of the satirical text subsequently became the same content for, for the the ostensibly authentic texts so where the, the was text this took it seriously.
0: where was this research conducted once once uh, warwick published after warwick published his his uh, satire Satirical text, where was the research conducted? In laboratories? Well, is, you know, is this like I,
1: Ghostbusters? I mean, it sounds I, like Ghostbusters. I, I think it may be like Ghostbusters. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I think there were no laboratories or, as I like to say, laboratories. Mm-hmm. Me uh, too. they They, they um, you know, this was a text that was just taken from Warwick uh, by people who either didn't understand that it was a satire or didn't care. Mm-hmm. And appropriated it for their own uses. So I would say that, that people in the field of, uh, you know, clairvoyancy and, and people who are psychics took this on as sort of an addendum to work. They were doing in phrenology, you so know, in addition to the fact that, in addition to the fact that you, what, you-, fact that you addition- <laughs> <laughs> no, by all means, continue. Hey, let's bring in the amigos. No, in the, um, <laughs> in, uh, you know, the I, I totally I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I was Go asking ahead. you
0: where <laughs> was this research
1: conducted. Oh, right, where, so, the, unfortunately, no real research was conducted. I think the text was just taken at face value, and you know, phrenologists simply use it as an addendum to um, to their their continuing work in phrenology. If someone came into you know your office to have their personality traits read according to the bumps on their head, the the phrenologists might say, well, hey, you also have a, you know, Greek nose or Roman nose or a mercantile nose and you have these traits as well. Um, So I, I think that's how it happened. And then, you know, some of these people wrote subsequent texts that were based on Warwick satire, but but that took it seriously.
0: Let's talk about Mr. Cohen who was one of the early authors of a one na- was, one of the early nasologists. I think you said that. Right. Who, who is, I, I gather Mr. Cohen was Jewish. Uh,
1: Mr. Cohen does. Um, he does seem Jewish. Uh, and wait, but, where, wait,
0: wait, 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 uh, wait, where, what country does he live in? Is it the U S uh, Germany? Co- no,
1: no. Co- Cohen, li- Cohen lives in London
0: in London, All right. or
1: he publishes in London. Um, you know, I could add that he, he, you know he built on Warwick's categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he basically plagiarized the original text, uh, but in addition to the categories that I mentioned that that Warwick created, Cohen added some some categories, mm-hmm. uh, including the apprehensive nose, the melancholy nose, the inquisitive mm-hmm. nose, mm-hmm. Uh, the combative nose, um, which incidentally has three subcategories: defensive, irritable, and aggressive. Um, and he also categorized the Jewish nose as a a as what he called, and I'm quoting from, from Gustavus Cohn, strictly the Jewish nose is strictly a combative nose Mm. receiving its peculiar form principally from an extraordinary development of the sign of apprehension with a relatively smaller inquisitiveness, which gives it a downward and inward tendency at its Mm. end. It's dominant commercialism is indicated in its breadth. Um, uh so you know this is t- something that uh that he added but what's fascinating about this whole phenomenon is that uh the general press took some of this material and kind of ran with it as if nasology was legitimate science so there there are articles in magazines like the Saturday evening post which um which you know produced an article that considered nasology a, perf- a perfectly legitimate science. The latest thing in science, nasology.
0: But I want to go back to Gustavus Cohen.
1: Right. I have to say that, I have to say that not much is known about Gustavus Cohen. Okay. Well then tell uh, us what
0: you can about him. I mean, I, I, would think I, can't that- I can't tell you
1: much other than he was, he was, uh, you know, someone involved in the field of phrenology who saw this nasology text and uh, decided that this was a worthy endeavor to build on which he did so he published he published Is, is
0: Cohen a self-hating Jew? Why why would a Jew engage him? I think to a certain degree he may have been because he seems to accept uh, and actually elaborate on in unflattering terms the idea of a Jewish nose. Correct. Not only that that it, it exists as such but but is offensive.
1: Right. Right that it's it's, it's in some way problematic. That's uh-huh. that's that's correct. And and when I think it's well to a certain degree uh, a lot of Jews felt that uh, the Jewish nose was uh, or the so-called let's say Jewish nose was mm-hmm. was problematic to the point where um, uh, one of the first mo- rhinoplasties of the modern era took place uh, in Germany mm-hmm. uh, to uh, by it was performed by a German doctor on a German Jew uh, who and the, the doctor was helping to cure this Jew of the illness of looking Jewish.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Illness was a word used by whom?
1: Um, I believe it was used by Sandra Gilman in describing this whole matter. But oh. uh, but that but that's that's the basic sense of this whole thing that that looking this way, having you know a uh, a large nose was was uh, not only was it attributed to. Uh, "Quote unquote," looking Jewish, but uh, it was it was problematic. It wasn't it wasn't a look that was um, uh, considered part of normative beauty uh, in this place and time.
0: The timing isn't incid- is not incidental uh, that this is happening in the second half of the nineteenth century because it's a time when Jews are integrating into diff- whichever countries they're living into or living in or at least trying to. They're achieving equal rights in some countries are being emancipated and they're integrating into the larger societies, often with difficulty. In the German case, with a great deal of difficulty, it took decades for Jews to achieve full emancipation, you know, as equal citizens. And in part of that process, you know, Jews had to, well, it was a struggle to fit
1: in. And part of fitting in is looking like the majority. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Jews, you know, in, in the, you know, late uh, 18th century, uh most german jews uh still spoke yiddish mm-hmm. they um they still dressed in traditional jewish clothing uh and they really weren't particularly well integrated uh into german society but they there were some who were trying uh and they were uh trying to the to the point where uh they uh sort of denuded themselves of traditional jewish clothing and wore you know what germans were wearing at the time they strove to speak Yiddish instead of German uh, and uh, they um many of them there was actually a wave of uh, conversions to Christianity just so jews could uh, could join could assimilate and to join German society uh, and one of the interesting aspects to that is by the mid uh, by the mid nineteenth century when uh, uh, because of advancements in, in, in printing technologies, you had a an, an large increase in the number of uh, magazines and newspapers. Uh, caricatures of Jews became uh, particularly popular. And what's fascinating here is in many of these caricatures, Jews are dressed uh, in German clothing. And uh, in a way, their clothing, the way they look, the way they're clothed, they're not, they're not distinguishable uh, from Germans, and what the caricatures do to make Jews distinguishable from Germans is to give them huge noses. And so that becomes the, the, the most identifying feature of the Jew, this, this nose, in spite of the fact that, you know, most Jews probably didn't have noses like this, but mm-hmm. certainly some did. Uh, uh, but that this nose is a symbolic feature becomes predominant uh, in, in imagery of Jews at this time.
0: The it, you know again another important thing about the timing is the beginning of uh, uh, this, this is around the time of, of eugenics and yeah. uh, right and uh, various kinds of pseudo science uh, scientific theories about race uh, right where people are trying to classify humanity by races and attributing uh, behavior uh, mental capacities all kinds of things to to alleged racial origins. So, you know, this I, I see it seems to me that nasology is part and parcel of the larger oh, study absolutely. of race in these
1: absolutely. And you know, one of the interesting and odd things is that is that, you know, this these categories of race stuck uh even though they're not accurate. Uh but things like nasology and phrenology disappeared because they're obviously ridiculous. Um, and so it's 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 interesting to to note that that you know what survived this period scientifically, uh, or even in the popular realm as as a way to categorize categorize and look at people, mm-hmm. um, you know sort of you know like phrenology and nasology disappear, uh, whereas you know race remains as 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 a as a way to categorize people.
0: But, you know, even if nasology disappeared, uh, the idea of a Jewish nose never disappeared. I mean, it still exists to this day that one distinguishing trait, physical trait
1: of Jews is their nose. Right. As much as Jews uh, dislike this phenomenon, uh, this is something that uh, seems eternal. It uh, it, uh, never goes away. Um, And uh, even though, um, you know, it's funny in... uh, the first decade of the twentieth century, a uh, Columbia University anthropology student by the name of Morris Fishberg uh, wrote a dissertation called uh, "The Jew: A Study in Race." I think it's just a study in race. I can't remember the exact title, uh, but it's it's the Jew. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's a study of race and ethnography or, or anthropology. Um, and he took about five thousand. He interviewed five thousand uh, Jewish immigrants in New York uh, from all different places and uh, actually measured their noses. He measured, he measured everything. He measured their height, weight, all kinds of things. But one of the things that he, he also measured uh, uh, was their noses. And he determined that uh, only about 15% of Jews actually had what was considered to be a Jewish nose, uh, which is a p- small percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, in the popular imagination, it's something that stuck and uh, is still with us today. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, how did Jews react to all this?
1: Jews are very unhappy about this, except for um, except for Cohen in London. Except for Cohen, right? Cohen was <laughs> thrilled. Um, you no, know, Jews are generally very unhappy about this. But you know what? Aren't Jews unhappy about? I, uh, you know, they're 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 always going no. So, um, they, um, there, you know, there's no real way, you no know, other than the fact that, you know, I said that, you know, one of the, the first modern rhinoplasties was performed on, on a, on a, on a Jew by a Jew, you know, for the, you know, so-called disease of looking Jewish, um, you know, nose jobs become very popular, mm-hmm. uh, in a certain time and place in the United States. Um, it's, uh, you know, having a Jewish nose is is uh, is something that's considered not attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know for past that, uh, but Jews Jews uh, don't appreciate. That. Actually, to this day, when I give lectures on uh, caricatures of the Yiddish press, many of which, you know, Yiddish in the Yiddish press caricaturists uh, uh, appropriated this uh, this sort of image of the Jew with with a large nose and uh and curly black hair. Um
0: but of course it had a different meaning in the Yiddish press. Right,
1: well in the in the Yiddish press is is obviously none it's not anti-semitic. It's the entire the entire phenomenon is is pro-Jewish phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh they're just using these figures to uh to distinguish Jews from other ethnic groups. Uh and uh they don't they don't necessarily have a problem with it. Um you know, they they you know, they realize that this that this image of the Jew um isn't necessarily something of their creation, but they accept it as, as something that's uh, not necessarily negative. Mm. Um, they're,
0: they're, they're already uh, going back to rhinoplasty. Uh, this is, there, there's an image it uh, there, there's an, there's a cartoon that ran in the humor magazine Puck in New York city. Uh, and the cartoon is about um the exclusion of Jews from uh, clubs, beach clubs, in, in in this particular instance, Jews were excluded from something called the Manhattan Beach Club in the 1870s. What,
1: what, 18, 1870s? This
0: 1870s. Early. It's pretty early. Wow. Yeah. And it's in the 1870s. And Jews, the owner of the club had announced that Jews were no longer going to be allowed in the club because Gentiles don't like them. And so he has to honor the preferences of his clientele. And he announced in the New York Times or other newspapers that that Jews would no longer be permitted. And so Puck published a piece, uh, a, a, a cartoon, saying uh, the caption was what the Jews would have to do to get admitted into the Manhattan Beach Club. And you see in one corner um, a line of people, a line of Jews, waiting to get their noses hacked off by a guillotine. Uh, and there's a picture of, uh, of a guy with his nose at the bottom of the guillotine, guillotine and the blade's about to come down. Uh, it, it's It's an early... You know, it, it anticipates early on um, rhinoplasty.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know what? What okay You know, you. I don't. I think I, I see this image, and there's um, there's something about the hair as well. Yes,
0: there's another in this cartoon. There's an uh, an additional contraption uh, designed to straighten the hair of Jews, and it it, it shows. A Jewish man with curly hair hanging from um, I don't know this contraption. It's designed to straighten the hair. That's how you'd straighten your hair by hanging from like a, a clamp that would, and so you dangle from the clamp and your hair would stretch out until it's straight. That that was the idea in this cartoon, right? Um, and, but there are all sorts of other images, you know, every, almost all the Jews depicted in this picture have oversized nose, grotesque noses. The men are dressed as women. The women look like men. The whole idea is that Jews are grotesque and ugly. Right. Uh, I mean, that, that's, and, the pur-
1: that's the ultimate purpose of, of anti-Semitic caricature.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the, the nose job comes along and provides a way out for Jews who can afford it or want it.
1: Right. But, you know, but, to, you know, does something like that actually help? Right. I mean, maybe, maybe for the self-image of the person who's, uh, who's doing it.
0: Well, later on, in a later point in time, I'd say by the 1960s, 1970s, um, uh, a nose job becomes a stereotype of Jewish girls. Yeah. You know, it, it becomes a marker of Jewishness is, is a nose job. Or right. as Jews you know, would
1: say, getting their noses fixed. Right. Right. And, you know, considering, uh, you know, it's it's ironic considering, uh, you know, the, the original intention was just to fit in. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but, it, you know, it, it be, you know, it becomes evident that it that it, that it didn't really work. Um, that fits
0: a, that just say as an aside, that fits a, a pattern where, you know, over the last couple hundred years, Jews have done many things to try to fit in somehow. But their efforts usually or often uh, uh, become reinscribed on Jews as a marker of Jewish difference. So you know, take communism. Communism was a way for many Jews to to f- fit into some larger movement or community or community of humanity. And uh, but it just generates a stereotype of the Jew com- communist or the Jew Bolshevik, where that becomes uh, associated with the Jew or tainted by that association with Jews. The nose job was, I think, something similar. It became a stereotype. You know, that middle class. Jews on Long Island or in Los Angeles, what do they do? They get nose jobs. It's just right. a sign of their
1: Jewishness, right? And there's and there's no getting away from the Jews and their taints, and their and their taints.
0: Um, uh, um, so,
1: I, you know, the where do we want to go with this? Um, I mean, you could you could say you could say that um, um, you know a lot of this leads into the idea that there's a particularistic Jewish look. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's, I guess, attributed to Ashkenazi Jews in Europe and in the United States. And um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't correspond to popular norms of of beauty. Mm -hmm. And it's perceived in a negative way. And Jews internalize that and, uh, you know, deal with it in in a variety of different ways. Some
0: big effects. Well, the what are those standards of beauty? They're they're straight hair, blonde. Light eyes, fair skin. Right. Um, it's to the point are, where,
1: where, where, you know, I think a Jewish woman created the Barbie doll. Yes, which which, right. which, rep, which represents all of those all of those characteristics. A
0: kind of fantastic representation of what an ideal uh, ideal beauty was. The, um, uh, I mean, I think today we'd use the term white supremacist that the standard of beauty upheld. Uh, uh, standard of beauty so- associated with Northern Europeans, and to some degree, uh, diver- well, either diver- uh, d- you know, defined almost in opposition to people who didn't
1: fit that. Jews were one of them, right? You know? Right, uh, and you know, African and- Americans are another. Right, exactly, and and you know, there. Th- this just brought to mind um, something I once wrote on in, in, in Warsaw, in nineteen twenty nine, uh, a Polish language Jewish newspaper. Uh, held a beauty pageant for the most to choose the most beautiful Jewish girl in Poland, and they created this pageant because they realized that a Jewish girl would never win the a Miss Poland contest,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so Be, they decided
0: because the Jewish girl, the presumption is the Jewish girl didn't look didn't fit the standards, didn't look right, and couldn't win a general right. Polish yeah right,
1: right, exactly. They, you know, Jew, Jew, there, there was a. a clear differentiation in, in, in a particular look, you know, poles were light and blonde uh, and Jews were, you know, dark uh, and curly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And one interesting thing in, in some of the articles uh, that accompany this uh, this beauty pageant uh, there are articles that, you know, written by artists and photographers uh, about what is Jewish beauty. Mm -hmm. And they conclude that, uh, a, what they actually call a Sephardic style beauty is, um, is, is the best and most Jewish form of beauty. And this would be, uh, you know, someone who's darker with dark hair, darker skin. Mm -hmm. Uh, and in fact, the woman who, who wins the pageant, uh, has Mm -hmm. long black hair and, uh, olive skin, Mm -hmm. And so the, it's it's interesting that that was the look that they they wanted they wanted they you know instead of having a beauty pageant where they chose you know a kind of classic northern European mm-hmm. style beauty they they chose what they felt was a distinctly Jewish form of beauty. Did who were the organizers? Were they Zionists? Uh, in fact, they were. Um, this this the newspaper that ran this uh, uh, pageant was called Nash uh which means our review. It was a daily. Uh, newspaper, uh, for the Jewish community written in Polish. Uh, but the newspaper itself, uh, was, uh, they, they were, they had a Zionist orientation, a general Zionist orientation.
0: So it's a, it's an example of Jews trying to define their own standards of beauty on what they think of as Jewish right. characteristics. Right. Rather you than
1: see, to allow outsiders to define it.
0: You see similar things in the black community in the United States. Yeah. Um, um, I was just going to say, you know along those lines, if you look at the old uh if you look at it um in the Jewish press in the United States way back when you'd see advertisements for skin lightener, yeah skin whitener sorry that's the which are also yeah, sold in the
1: black press, you know if this is interesting, so in the yiddish press uh and you have this in the general press to a certain degree as well, but in the Yiddish press you have advertisements for products. Uh, these kinds of masks that you could put on your face that will change the shape of your nose. Hmm. Um, and, you know, there's sort of little cartoons that accompany them or little, you know, line drawings that accompany them that, you know, are like before and after images, you know, and the before image is you know, is, is someone with like a, you know, gigantic nose hmm. and the after image is sort of just a more, you know, sort of, a, you know, like a, Smaller Aqualino's as if these products actually worked. Mm-hmm. They didn't. Um, you know, I, I believe there, there's. I believe there's one of these products in, in Evo's archives.
0: I'd love to see one of those. I'd love to see one. I'd I can arrange. I can
1: arrange before. for you to. I can arrange for you to try it.
0: I'd like to try. It. Is it, am I too too old for this to work? No, I think do you never, have to you, do it at you, a young you, formative age
1: i i i i don't think you're ever too old i don't think that, it has, that there are any age age restrictions on this on this product
0: you know here's an idea someone should go through every high school someone should go through high school yearbooks of the last 50 70 80 years to see if any Jew won the cutest award you know how high schools <laughs> have, they have these elections who's cutest best looking best body well,
1: those those things appear in yearbooks
0: <laughs> it did where I grew up, uh, and I presume <laughs> elsewhere. Uh, and to see if a Jew was ever voted cutest, best, or best looking. I, I, well, what, I, what, were,
1: what were you voted? I
0: was not voted into anything. Uh, that, oh, I was so voted. I, I actually take oh, back. Oh, see. In, in seventh grade, I was voted funniest of my seventh grade class.
1: Okay, that's which, a,
0: that. That, but that's an acceptable Jewish category.
1: Yes, absolutely. S-
0: smartest or funniest were were uh, categories populated by Jews across the ages.
1: Yeah, that, that's, a good, um, that, that's a good potential project. Um, I think you should suggest it to Nathaniel.
0: I will do that. Uh, let's go from ugly to the perverted.
1: Wait, you know yeah. what? Before we get yeah. to the perverted, um, because I don't think Jews are ugly. I think Jews are awesome. Um, the, I, I just wanted to mention that uh, there was a Yiddish artist and writer by the name of Yosel Cutler who wrote a very nice children's song uh, about noses. And he himself did not have what you'd call a traditional Jewish nose. He had what you'd call a Kornosa nesl in Yiddish, which means sort of a, uh, it's sort of a smaller nose, a a smaller, almost a ski jump nose. Uh, and he wrote a song, uh, that, uh, claimed that, you know, if you're a child and you, and you drink a lot of milk, uh, you'll grow up to be healthy and you'll have a big, beautiful nose. Uh, (laughs) And if you, um, but if you, if when you're a child, you only drink a little bit of milk, you'll grow up to have a cornosa or a, a small nose. Mm-hmm. And if you grow up without drinking any milk at all, uh, you'll grow up with absolutely no, no, no nose at all. <laughs> uh, and so he sort of inverted this whole, this whole story. Whereas, if, you know, if, you know, you should grow up to, you know, if you grow up drinking milk, you'll be strong and healthy. Uh, but his, his view, you know, his version of that is that you'll have a nice big nose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a form of being, that's a form of being healthy. Uh-huh. Um, but if you don't drink milk, you'll be unhealthy and you won't even have a nose.
0: Uh-huh. So it's kind
1: of a nice, it's kind of a nice, in, you know, Yiddish inversion, inversion of this whole, this whole distorted affair.
0: Uh, well, right, back, of
1: back to, let, let's go back to your perversions.
0: Well, I was going to say, and speaking of sordid, I'm reminded of the Leo Frank affair of 1915 uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Of course, that's the incident involving Leo Frank, a uh, Jewish factory manager. I think it was a pencil pencil factory. factory Yeah, pencil factory. He didn't own it. He was just the manager. And he was falsely accused of raping and murdering a young, I believe, 13-year-old Gentile employee. She was found murdered and uh, he was accused and convicted, uh, although his sentence was later commuted. And in any case, uh, he was a lynch mob, um, broke him out of prison and lynched him, uh, resulting in, I don't know, the re- resulting directly in the revival of the Ku Klux Klan in Georgia. Half the city's Jewish community, uh, half the half the city's Jewish community fled. Uh, atlanta it was a big deal but uh the press was uh the press was um you know covered this all over the place and there was this incredible hysteria around leo frank and uh there were uh, suggestions that he, leo frank used his oversized nose for sexually perverted acts um so there you see again i i you know you can use your imagination i, I gotta uh, say I'm,
1: I'm in full support of that
0: you're, you're, well, uh, too bad you weren't an editorial writer in Atlanta in 1915. I, I, I think you would have had a lot of support. <laughs> but in any case, it's just an example of, an uh, 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 example of where this the idea right, exactly. of the Jewish nose figures right. in, in a pretty serious way. Um, well, you know,
1: this is, this is interesting because it's um, in the Arabic press, uh, in particular, during the uh, nineteen sixty seven Six Day War, mm-hmm. they produced a lot of caricatures related to yeah. Israel. Yeah. And so, what's interesting here: there are a lot of caricatures of Nasser, mm-hmm. uh, of Gamal Abdel Nasser, the the the, the leader of Egypt. Um, you know, as a her- very heroic figure. Mm-hmm. So, Nasser had a pretty big nose, and caricaturists caricatured him with a pretty big nose Mm -hmm. but when they caricatured jewish figures representing israel next to him they changed the jewish nose to a kind of long droopy nose that looks like a dick yeah uh and and that's how they differentiate that's how those characters differentiated um Mm -hmm. you know this this i guess semitic nose you know the sort of middle eastern or mediterranean nose that you know Greeks, Italians, you know, North Africans all share with Jews. Um, but it's more attributable to Jews. Uh, but in order to differentiate the Jewish big nose from, you know, you know. A, it was shaped,
0: uh, di- shaped differently. And, right. It was, in a shaped, way it was shaped like a penis.
1: Shaped, shaped like yeah. a penis. Uh-huh. Um, so, so that, you know, that, that's an interesting connection with, uh, with Leo Frank's, mm-hmm. uh, with the story surrounding Leo Frank. That this, Did, that this, do you know, that, know anything
0: about the cartoonists in the major Egyptian or Syrian papers?
1: You know, during that period, I don't know. Um, I don't know anything about those particular okay. cartoonists, but it's but it's a relatively common trope in all of those. In all of uh, you know the general mm-hmm. Arab, you know, yeah, Syria some, or Egypt.
0: I've seen some of those cartoons, and it's, to some degree, they don't differ at all from what you see in the, uh, in, in the European press. Uh, in an earlier period, prior to the 1960s, prior to World War II, uh, you know, between the 19th and 20th century, the characters of Jews in the European or American press we've been talking about appear uh, in a new context in Arab language newspapers.
1: Right, right. Well, what's interesting is when 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 European newspapers caricature, uh, at least you know, in the 19th 19th or early 20th centuries, um, when they caricature Arabs, the noses are virtually the same as the Jewish, the noses they use for for Jewish caricature, but the difference in the type of caricature is that the Arabs are generally caricatured as savages, mm-hmm. uh, whereas the Jewish body is caricatured as sort of weak mm-hmm. and, um, you know, they'll, they'll show like a, like a Turk, you know, or, you know, an Arab, you know, coming forward with a sword mm-hmm. and in traditional dress, you know, with, you know, frothing at the mouth, maybe with mm-hmm. fangs and a kind, and a big nose uh, whereas they show the Jew you know with a sort of weak pitiful mm-hmm. diseased body mm-hmm. um, but also with a big nose and so it's very similar to the to, to the way what they so they nose The they noses are arrows. similar
0: but one is uh, uh, one people are shown to be robust or yes and in the other degenerated right in the case of the Jews Um what is the uh what is the legacy of all this, as I'm wondering? I mean, clearly there are there are legacies that continue well past the Nazi the defeat of Nazism.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Obviously the Nazis use this this you know this sort of figurative language frequently, um, but it's still common it's a very common trope on the internet. Uh you know, there's, there's um there's a caricature of a Jew with a huge nose and a beard rubbing his hands together. Uh, that that you can find pretty frequently, uh, you know, all over the internet. You know, is part of uh, anti-Semitic discourse. Uh, you know, this is something that um, uh, hasn't disappeared at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in spite of the fact that, I mean, in the realm of um, of sort of professional cartooning and caricature, this is something that generally isn't done anymore. People are aware, cartoonists and caricaturists are aware that, you know, these negative physical tropes uh, have been harmful and they've stopped doing them. They still remain, however, among racist cartoonists and caricaturists who still exist and still produce work. And uh, it's commonly, and because of the internet is, and the ease with which things are disseminated, uh, you know, you you can find this this type of material all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, but a, any kind of official uh, news outlet, um, you know, they they tend to they people they tend to shy away from uh, you know from these type of these types of caricatures. Um,
0: what about in,
1: yeah? No, no, go ahead.
0: What about in caricatures regarding Israel?
1: Uh, well. Um, I think that when caricature, when cartoonists in the West assiduously avoid caricaturing Israelis as, um, uh, you know, as traditional looking, mm-hmm. as, as traditional caricature had them. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, on the other hand, in the Arab world, anti-Jewish caricature uh retains these 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 physical tropes. They in, in in the Arab world, uh caricatures involving Israel often, uh or at least the ones that I've seen often have, you know, huge noses and degenerate bodies. And they they've sort of, you know, the, the certain caricatures in that world have maintained uh you know the 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 traditional European anti-Semitic tropes. Do you think nasology will ever make a comeback? Um I hope it does because I'm looking for a job.
0: Mm-hmm I think you you're well qualified to be a specialist in nasology or a specialist a specialist on specialists in nasology. and I think that's that what we learned that, here
1: to, that, that's 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 a good meta job to have.
0: I, I think you've established yourself here on this podcast today. you' um, you're, you're,
1: you're very you're a very kind young man Tony Michaels. Well, I try
0: to be generous. Its uh, fits the profile of the mercantile Jew, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, it might. We'll have to we'll have to return to one of Cohen's uh, studies as long as long as you're able to make a make a profit. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, uh, I want to
1: thank everybody for tuning in today. I'm Tony Michaels. I'm Eddie Portnoy, and and I'd like to thank the amazing Jonathan London. He's a hero, that guy. He is a hero. Check out Geekscape. What is Geekscape? It it's an incredible website full of podcasts and movies and comics. <laughs> hey it might be producer jonathan here just to say hi that is <laughs> not necessary but if you do like this podcast and you're into pop culture podcasts covering movies and music and pro wrestling and comic books your kids might like it search for geekscape on your favorite podcatcher and uh, yeah you'll learn a little more about spider-man and that kind of thing what could be bad? <laughs> back to the show though
0: <laughs> until next time Take care, everybody.
1: All right, have fun.